0: Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888 684 8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy.
1: Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 46.
0: Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again is Sandy McKay.
1: Hey, Rob, how's it going tonight?
0: Very good, very good. And I am mm. super excited about our guest, Chuck Reynolds. Uh, he joins us tonight as well, so he's here right now, and he's going to sit through our little intro, and then we'll get to a very exciting interview with him in just
2: a minute. So how are you doing, Chuck? Great. Great to to hear you guys. Good to, uh, to meet you, Rob and Sandy.
1: Uh, well, I always just want to recommend and remind people to head over to our website, BreakthroughAreaPodcast.ca, um, download our free report there on the side. You can get a whole bunch of cool info on... Um, you know, creating a lot more uh, freedom in your life as a real estate investor uh, there's a free report there all ready to go and all you got to do is throw your email in and you'll get on the list for it um, always want to recommend people to check us out on iTunes of course give us a 5 star rating uh, always love to see some reviews on there too that really helps us pump it out to a lot more people and get us uh, some more great guests on the show so any reviews Did we have any reviews to read Rob?
0: We do. I have a couple to read. Sandy, we've got yeah. 65 star reviews now on iTunes. Nice. So, uh, yeah, okay. So while you're talking about it, I'll read these couple of, that we got since the last time we did a show. So this one says thank you. And it is uh, five stars, of course, by Big D117. And mm-hmm. uh, he or she, I guess it could be either says I just found this podcast and I love it I am only on episode 10 so I have some catching up to do your featured guests provide a wealth of information I am so glad to have found this podcast before my first real estate investment thanks guys keep up the good work and we have one from Drew Sider that says great real estate podcast another five stars great relevant and accurate content I have found this podcast very helpful I can't say I'd be in the same position without it. The more you know, the less you fear, and the more confidently you can invest. Knowledge is everything. You are helping me live the life I want to live. Keep up the great work, Rob and Sandy. All right. Super, uh, I love people's reviews. These are great. And again, keep them rolling in. Like Sandy said, please, We're, we love to read them, and we love to hear them. So thank you very much.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? I got a little tip here, Rob. Should I share it? Yeah, sure. That's us <laughs> I was just going to mention, um, we haven't done this segment for a while, adding a few tips at the beginning.
0: <laughs> We've just
1: been uh, getting into the guests, but I got a quick one. That's called uh,
0: laziness. Yeah,
1: that's. A, I was trying to think of a better word for it. But... <laughs> um, well, I got a good one here. I, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I, I just wanted to mention, I'm actually doing um We just bought a couple flip properties for some reason. I don't know why we're doing flips again. But we got into a couple flip properties last week that we're just purchasing and they're just kind of lining this up. Um, and and just want to talk about utilizing the you know, the big box stores and the type of offers they, they offer for deal. It doesn't always work for flips, depending on where you get your material and what kind of deals you can get. But we've really found it helpful to use places like Home Depot, which is our main one. We use Lowe's as well, though, and you can get pretty big lines of, essentially lines of credit from them. Um, and the, the reason we do that a lot, in flips especially, is because you basically end up not even paying for your material. They're not paying cash up front for it, at least.
0: It doesn't come out of your pocket.
1: It never comes out of your pocket. So let's say we're spending 25000 or 30000 on materials for a flip project. We can basically get that totally funded for free and not have to pay until we actually sell the property. So
0: So you're talking about the way that like Home Depot will say, you know, sign up for for an account and, you know, get 18 months, no payments, no interest kind of thing. So then by the time you're done renovating and your project is completed and you sell the place, then you can pay it back before any of the money's even due. So it doesn't come out of your pocket. You're still paying for it, of course, out of your proceeds, but... That's a lot better than it coming out of your pocket in the first place, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're doing a lot of projects or you're doing, uh, you know, if money's somewhat tight on a project, it's a great way to to get access to the material that you don't have to pay out of your pocket. You get 18 months free basically on a lot of the stuff. If, I think it's over, is it over $1,000 or, or of material? I can't remember the, the number exactly. Maybe it's over 500 that you spend. You get 18 months without having to pay interest on it. And, um, and so what we do is we go and get Home Depot gift cards. So these promotions don't come up all the time, but they're there quite often. And we go and buy a whole bunch of gift cards, um, and then we just give that to our contractor. He goes out, gets all the material he needs, kind of thing. And then, you know, obviously we manage what he's buying. But he, he gives us he uses those gift cards, and then just gives us all the receipts afterwards. It's a really simple, simple way of uh, of getting access to that material and just. I find it just takes a lot of stress out of the purchasing and all that.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I'm surprised they don't put a stop to that because whenever they see something that's a little bit too good, like, they will tell you, oh, you you can do that, but you can't spend it on gift cards kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I know, so, right? We we go and buy, like, we spend, we get 10 grand of gift cards, like, or 20 grand of gift cards, basically. Like, we buy them, we don't hide it either. <laughs> I don't think they care no, at the end, at the end of the day. It. At the end of the day, they're getting business, right? Everybody
0: look for Sandy coming out the doors of Home Depot. Yeah. Roll them. (laughs)
1: It's really good, though. I mean, a lot of people will say Home Depot is not the best deal on material, which it probably isn't in some cases. But uh, you know what? For the convenience of it and the access to to that type of of, uh, deals and stuff, I think it's worthwhile.
0: That's called leverage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We do it on the buy, fix, and refinance projects, too, right? Because by the time you're refinancing, you're... Usually, you know, maybe it's six months or something. It's not eighteen months. Yeah, so that's pretty useful.
0: So, okay, real quick, why would you be considering flips right now? Like, you don't need the cash. <laughs> so,
1: well, I, I kind of like flips. To be honest, they're kind of fun. We have the team built up for it to do them pretty systematically and pretty pretty well. So,
0: why not uh, refine hold?
1: We could with some of them. There's a couple. Uh, unique, some unique JV partners that we have that we're trying to help out in different ways mm-hmm. uh, let's call them family members and just to get them kind of started and going we're kind of just doing this initially with them
0: I see okay okay. Yeah. so you kind of went into it one way and and that's how you have to look at it I guess yeah it's a bit okay.
1: unique it's a bit unique We and I, I kind of do enjoy doing flips to be honest they're kind of fun
0: alright well thanks for the tip yeah Um, I also wanted to mention that I am still hosting the monthly Wholesaling Houses Masterminds out at my office here in Oshawa. So if anyone is interested in coming and attending those meetings, they are more than welcome to contact me at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. We have a good turnout every month. Nice. uh, And it's fun. So, uh, yeah, again, just contact me at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca so let's get into our interview what do you say let's do it okay well today we have Chuck Reynolds with us I'm very pleased to have him and he is the chief performance officer at Excel Group helping companies ensure that they have the right players on the field they offer advanced coaching to leverage strength at all levels and uh, but not only that Chuck is also a very experienced real estate investor tonight he's gonna talk to us about living life with an abundance mindset and also about uh, learning, earning, giving, and sharing, and his why of real estate. So thanks for being mm-hmm. with us, Chuck. Appreciate you coming.
2: It's a real pleasure. Just listening to you folks, it's just an absolute delight to hear your energy. Can I ask, I'm just curious. I was listening to Sandy there talking about uh, liking flips. Just really curious. What 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 do you like most about
1: it? Yeah, well, I like what <laughs> cash that you get out of it at the end of the day, if you do it right. Um, but I also like... I don't know. I kind of, just, I kind of like the, um, maybe it's kind of a, almost like a gamble in a way, and something not a, It's an educated gamble. Oh no! I like, I oh, like the kind no. of, I like the, kind <laughs> of uh, I like the, a little bit of a, just, you know, you're not quite sure what you're gonna get out of it at the end, and you kind of just, it's kind of cool sometimes to see. It's great when you get more than you thought you were gonna get, and it's just kind of fun that that whole feeling at the end where you're kind of just getting it ready to list and you're staging and you're just trying to figure out what you're gonna sell it for. And I don't know,
2: is it a little bit of a rush? I find. Yeah, you like the adventure. It sounds like kind of. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. Yes, it's it's that rush of the uh, offer night. Yeah,
2: and,
1: yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's not. This I, I I do more so enjoy the simpleness and stuff of the other strategies we use, but every once in a while the flips are fun.
2: Awesome. Awesome.
0: Okay, well Chuck, why don't we start off with, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, I I guess I've been working in management development, I've pretty much been on my own as an entrepreneur for about 20 years, and uh, you know, sort of like the ups and downs there, like what Sandy was saying, but in the corporate world. So we've been doing a lot of management development and team uh, development for basically large corporations in Canada, U.S. Uh, we did a bit in Australia. Um, we have online clients in Europe, and we've had some really interesting clients. I had uh, we had a two-year project, for example, with um, U.S. Marine Command, where I had to work with the uh, U.S. Marine uh, leaders down in Quantico for a few years, and. That business has just been what I've been working in for the last 20 years. It's, it's been very exciting, actually. Um, on one hand, you know, but on the other hand, there's a lot of the world is changing, and and uh, I certainly wanted to slow down uh, a little bit uh, from the travel perspective. And uh, we have some great team members in, in Canada, but I certainly wanted to slow down a little bit as I had to, um, some kids, and um, so I really started looking at uh, more and more real estate and. Uh, what I could do within the real estate space, and we've we've really enjoyed it. Today we have, actually actually just as of today, we just got another offer accepted, and I'm more of a buy and hold kind of guy, Uh, so we've got, uh, not huge amount, but 18 doors now, and um, uh, we've gotten some good systems down, which is really exciting for me, to the point where we've got some professionals, lawyers, and so forth, who are investors who now come to us to screen and find them some pretty good tenants. Uh, so it's, it's really been interesting to transfer some of the corporate skills that have been involved in for years to the, the real estate side of it. And to me, I think it's the same thing, just thinking of it as a, uh, a real estate business. And I'm, I'm kind of like, um, I like the fact that we can be, I remember one year we were in Brazil, my wife is from Brazil. And uh, we're in Brazil and it's interesting just to, to be able to, to uh, have your, your holdings, your portfolio and, and, and see the first of the month, see all the, uh, the rents going in, the accounts and so forth. It's kind of interesting. You could be anywhere in the world, literally. Yeah. So it's quite, quite nice to be in Cabo Frio, Brazil and just see on the first of the month, uh, last year, when uh, all the, uh, the funds are coming in.
0: So now, why would you? why did you choose Real Estate Investing?
2: Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I I think the world is changing just so much, isn't it? I mean, there's so much volatility. And although I'm an entrepreneur, and like, like Sandy, I like some adventure, but you still want some degree of stability. And, and I think that when I looked at uh, the corporate world and I looked at my life, I think I, I still wanted to have some stability. I mean, you think back to... Uh, do you remember Blockbuster Video, for example? I forget how many stores they had at Barely. once. 1500 Yeah, 1,500 <laughs> stores. And now you've got that morphed into, you know, different content and different delivery. And uh, you've got home uh, phone lines that are rarely around now. Everyone's into uh, VoIP or, or mobile or what have you. And the, the world is just changing so much. So, um, like everybody else or many people, I am sort of uh, love Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant mindset, which is trying to have some assets that provide some um, some passive cash flow, which really fuel your life. Uh, I mean, qu- quite frankly, I don't not to be extreme, but I think sometimes people are. I just see every day like just the stress on people's lives and the you know, just the nine to five grind kind of thing, and that's never been my uh, my deal, you know. So we're we're um, we kind of like the fact that real estate allows us a lot more. Lifestyle flexibility to, uh, to be able to do a lot more things without being tied to uh, a desk at 9 to 5 at an office.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like one thing I don't miss is I was on the road a heck of a lot more before I was doing this. And and that is certainly stressful at some points. What did you do before,
2: before the real estate? Uh,
0: I, well, I was driving a truck for quite some time.
2: Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so I don't
0: know if it's cool, but that's what I did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> cool to do that transition, though. I mean, that's the whole point. It's it's where you are and the journey you're on now is is just it's, that's exciting. Actually, I think most people are still tied to what they're doing and not really loving doing it. I mean, I don't know what percentage of the population actually loves getting up on Monday morning and say, "Yay, you know, Monday's here." Let's you know, just really excited about it. It's, it's very rare. Yeah, for sure. You know that's that's my whole thing that's one of the things I love about real estate is is also the transformation part of it too we've had crack houses and all sorts of things um, and it's fun you know it's it's there's an adventure component to it it's fun yeah
0: it's amazing like so a lot of our guests um, will get on here and and they'll talk about how they've quit their corporate jobs like these are not you know any anything to take lightly the the um, careers that these guys are giving up but we've had so many success stories on here of guys that are giving up you know substantial salaries with bonuses and and um and uh you know retirement plans and all that kind of stuff and just giving it all up to do this and and build the lifestyle that they want to do and doing it very successfully too so those are always really great uplifting stories
2: not not easy to do though i mean i think many people would wish they could do that don't you think well, absolutely,
0: that was my point. My point is like, okay, so it's one thing for me, I think, a uh, guy who's driving a truck, you know, my job is okay, but it's certainly uh, probably some, I, I could get another one just like it if I wanted to tomorrow, mm-hmm. but um, but for these other guys who, who we've been talking to in the past, had these corporate jobs and been able to step out of them, that's, you know, those that that's some big accomplishment.
2: Mm-hmm. That, that is, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what kind
1: of property
2: did you buy today, Chuck? So uh, today, we, excuse me, sorry. We, You know, it's funny. Uh, um, one of the things I love about this this whole field is just building relationships. And a few years ago, I had some houses in uh, Barrie and uh, decided to sell them. Took a bit of a different course. And then, uh, but there's there's a couple of places I still like up in Barrie. I really love Barrie. We also have a place up in Collingwood, so we're up there once in a while. And uh, as it were my uh, one of my agent friends up there just called me up on Wednesday or Thursday and uh, had a property and uh, I really like this particular complex up there it's kind of easy buy and hold and um, so we just popped up there yesterday and by the time we got back last night there were two other offers and they were looking at them today so we just we just grabbed a, a townhouse uh, but I just I think we wanted to uh, Rededicate ourselves a little bit to Barrie. I really, really like the like the town and what's happening up there.
0: Mm. Barrie is a very cool city. I just don't like how much snow they get. They seem to be right in the right <laughs> in a snow belt, oh, like yeah. in the path of the snow belt. I'm not kidding. You drive in the south end and and
2: there's like a huge <laughs>
0: the snow just uh, doubles, and then yeah. as you drive out the north end, it goes back again.
2: Oh yeah, the, that good old uh, Highway 89 area there. My wife used to laugh because when I had the places up there, I would literally just. You know, I had some I have some really good support up there, but I would never go up there in the winter. Just I just don't go, you know, that me. That got to be. But yeah, it's, it's a great place. I like it for investing. Uh, you know, that's Toronto is ex, just extraordinarily expensive, uh, hard to cash flow, obviously. And and um, although we have one, we have a 15 unit here in Toronto uh, mm-hmm. that's doing very well. Uh, And that's why I sort of sold out of the houses at the time in Barrie. You know, for for me, I I really, uh, one thing I was fortunate with is I had an uncle in L.A. years ago who was into real estate investing. And that's really where I sort of got my uh, inspiration from it many years ago, I guess. But back in those days, believe it or not, uh, we're talking way back when interest rates were 15%. And that was tough. That was pretty tough, really tough stuff. So, uh, become full circle now and just kind of learn about um, you know what's going on and, and even with rain exposing you to other areas. Uh, Hamilton, Sandy, is that where you do a lot of your, your uh...
1: a lot in Hamilton? Yeah, I actually have one in Barrie as well. Oh yeah, uh, mostly Hamilton now.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's there's so much uh, to do, and, and I think one of the things I find is that there are so many strategies and people to learn from whenever you meet from meet with investors. And everyone's got their own skills and talents, and um, it's exciting because you can learn from each other. But it's it's um, we for for our sake we've sort of uh, fell into multifamily um, projects now, and that's really kind of exciting. We're finding that to be very interesting, actually.
0: Oh yeah, like well, it. fifteen unit in Toronto. Yeah, you should tell us about that process because that was probably quite a process to get into something like that.
2: Yeah, it, and it's it's funny, you know, we talk about like. I'm really big on learning as much as you can, and then and then translating that into action. And, and some years ago, I went to a uh, a multifamily workshop through Rain, and that kind of opened my mind a little bit. And, and that was a little bit intimidating, but in any event, we we subsequently found a product a, a project in Toronto on the Danforth Danforth East, and uh, it was just basically on MLS and saw it fell in love with it and um we'd previously had like i've had fourplexes and triplexes and twoplexes but never anything with 15 units that's for sure and uh a little bit intimidating at first to think about it but i think that when you've had some education and you've, you've focused on that as one of your uh, your reviewers said right that uh, knowledge helps with the confidence mm-hmm. and so um we decided to go forward with it. This is my my, my uh, wife and I. And um, it, it, uh, it's been amazing. It's 15 units. I mean, it's been... Now, our preference, by the way, is we kind of like to buy properties that are a little bit rough. Mm-hmm. And this happened to be owned by two physicians that just were non-existent. And we're kind of a little bit more hands-on and, and like to uh, take those sort of properties that are in rough shape a little bit. And um, really try to uh, transform them, and so that, that's what this has been for a couple of years. So, um, you know, these are small units, like micro units, apartments, okay. and forth. So they're five-minute walk to the subway, sort of thing, and a ten-minute walk to uh, Go Trains. It, so it's uh, it just happened to be a great location for us, and it's been it's been remarkable. So that's what set us on our journey now to really. Uh, expand our horizons with, uh, with more multifamily, but it, but it's not, it's not easy. You know I mean? Nothing is easy. Right. Um, So we've probably turned over in two years. We've probably turned over, I think it's about 12 tenants, uh, 12 or 13 now. Uh, In two years? Yeah. Yeah. Many of them intentional. So we've revamped the, uh, you know, gone to the landlord tenant board and, you know, just done everything (laughs) we had to do and you deal with some tough tenants uh, that just didn't fit the, the tenant profile and um, creating issues. And, you know, the, the we've, you know crackheads, you name know, it. It's we've seen all those things. Um, and that, that's sort of um, what we feel comfortable with now is taking those sort of properties and transforming them.
0: Right. So now as they move out, you go in, do a little bit of work, fix it up a little bit, make it look nicer, more appealing, and then uh, get some better rents for it. And away you go.
2: Absolutely. The banks love it the yeah, banks love it. I mean it's the cash flow is nice and uh, the, the banks just love you for that um, our banker now is is so interested in, in uh, future projects and that was the first time by the way that there's a lot of learning for something like that right it's, it's you know it's going to go into the commercial space is very different on the finance side of it as well
1: yeah
2: uh, a lot more to learn um, from the assessments and so forth so and um, so that was, it's been a good learning experience. But when you learn, you sort of, you, hopefully, you can grow from it and you, uh, you set your sights on even um, climbing the, the next mountain, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, what do you think holds most people back from achieving their most desired lifestyle?
2: You know, I, I, I get asked that a lot. And, and by the way, when I got into business, I got into business with uh, working with a gentleman by the name of Brian Tracy. Yep. And, yep. you know, many people know him, but many people don't know he's Canadian, actually.
1: But, I didn't know that, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Originally yeah, I didn't know he Canadian.
2: Yeah, originally from Alberta and uh, lived in Toronto for a while and now has this beautiful, beautiful house. and his wife, Barbara, live in uh, California. But yeah. um, Brian was really a mentor of mine when I got into the uh, management development space. And so it's really immersing myself into a lot of that sort of work in, in those sorts of books. If, if you've ever read or, or heard from Brian many years ago, we're talking 20-odd years ago now, that really got me to peel back the, the same questions. You know, why is it that uh, some people succeed more than others? Why is it that some people uh, allow obstacles to, to hold them back, and what are they? And you know, it really, it, it comes back down to um, fear and and just lack of confidence. You know, it's uh, people. Most people are so fearful of of going out of uh, their comfort zone. It's completely foreign to to um, go out of their comfort zone. So. I would say those two things, fear, people don't want to risk losing things or or risk failure. Some people don't like to risk rejection. You know, if you're selling, you're you're always going to be facing rejection, right? Uh, So fear and lack of confidence. Let's face it, most people watch TV or look online or whatever, and they sort of see other people's lifestyles and they would love to, to attempt something, but they just don't have the confidence to actually try something. Uh, different than, than uh, what they're doing right now. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the the hundred meter uh, race last night. Yeah. In Brazil. Uh, in, in our household, it's kind of funny because I'm originally I'm born in Jamaica. Um, so if you hear me say Yaman once in a while, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I'm born in Jamaica. And my wife is actually Brazilian, and uh, uh, that's my second wife, and and. Uh, we were just having a blast last night watching the race, and we had a lot of people uh, texting and, and uh, sending us messages from from Brazil, some friends and family in Brazil. And it, it's amazing to see how you know Bolt uh, did an incredible feat uh, with winning his third uh, um, gold. And then you saw Andre de Grasse. What is he, 21, 22 years of age?
1: Yeah, 21,
2: um, I think. Yeah, coming up. And, and just to see them embrace, and that guy has got so much potential. And I love when you see high-achieving people who, you know, you, you peel back the onion a little bit, and you, you look into their lives, and what you see is really, really, really hard work. And they had to overcome fear and gradually develop the confidence to get to where they are today. And uh, I have now no doubt, for example, that Andre de, um, de Grasse, we're going to see a lot of him. You know, he's developing. And, and I think that the average person has way more potential in them than they realized, if they could just overcome the fear and, and lack of confidence, if you will, to uh, to sort of dig down and, and, and get to their uh, their talents.
1: Where do you think that fear comes from? Is that uh, society?
2: Ooh, great question. A lot
1: of places, I guess, really.
2: It, it does. I mean, it's, you know, you know one of the things I did that I will never forget, and, and something, um, I, I did something with uh, three other guys, my brother and uh, two other brothers, actually. I uh, won't, won't use their names, but um, we did something back in uh, 1989, I think it was that. We, we met Anthony Robbins. Oh,
0: nice.
2: Yeah, he wasn't very well known at the time, really, and he was in the lineup. And the funny thing is, he was going to see a workshop by, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to see a workshop by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, who was in his 90s at the time. And I see this big giant of a guy, Anthony Robbins, with his wife at the time, Becky, Introduced myself, told him you know I really liked uh, his his book, and, and uh, he was actually trying to get last minute tickets to get in to see Doctor Peel because he was work, um, Anthony Robbins was working in Toronto that day. In any event, he invited us out to a workshop the next night uh, called The Date with Destiny, where you did the the fire walk and the whole bit. Oh yes. wow! Okay. <laughs> I will tell you, that was the scariest thing at the time. You know, and I, I'll never forget where you've got all, you know, I've got my, my uh, brother and a couple of friends, and uh, we're, you know, when you go through all the the, the the stuff that they teach you, and then you're out in the, you're waiting for these, you know, walk along these burning hot coals, and I remember being in the lineup, and these guys were in front of me, you know, folk, you know men and women, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this, and, but you know, by the time I got to the front of the lineup, the guy who was watching the line for the Anthony Robbins group, he put his, he put his arm down. So I assumed that the the uh, exercise was done, we're finished. You know what I mean? And I thought, ah, I was gonna do it. You know, it's kind of really great. <laughs> I wanted to go to the washroom, but I thought, ah, too bad we don't have time. I was ready to do this. No problem walk across those poles. And so he put his arm down and said, hold on, please. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, and I'm looking over at my brother. He's a couple of lions over, and uh, the other guys haven't gone yet, you know, and, you know, got a bravado. Well, what they did is they brought, they brought out fresh, burning hot coals because the the coals now had gotten gray, and so they brought out, brought out like, burning hot red ones. And I'm the first up with these burning, new, fresh batch of burning coals, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, but, you know, I did – uh, again, the, the NLP stuff that, that Anthony Robbins gets into, went through that, walked across the cold, and I will never forget that. You know, So you learn all your life not to touch from a kid. You learn all your life not to touch a hot stove, not to do this. So yeah, we do learn a lot of fears. We acquire a lot of fears and beliefs. And when you expand your comfort zone a little bit each year, it, it really encourages you. Now, one of the gentlemen who was with me went on to found a multi-million dollar... Um, Investment company in the um, the, multi, the uh, mutual fund industry actually is very very well known, uh, multi multi millionaire actually. And when we when we reflect back, he says that that night was just pivotal for him for really overcoming his fear of wanting to go to get into his own business. Hmm. You know, and he's he's actually quoted quite a bit in the Golden Mail and so forth. Uh, I think. Last it was the yeah, year last year he was also the chairman of Children's Aid for volunteer um, one dollar I think it was paid he was really a very nice gentleman but again so so we learn a lot of things uh, fears from, from life uh, we acquire them but I, I really think that um, it's a good question I think that uh, each one of us have has different fears as well that's the other challenge you know your fears are, might be different from mine and vice versa right. Uh, but the, the, the challenge is to really not allow those to, to hold you back from going for your gold in, in whatever area you want to go for it.
0: And, Sandy, uh, I think you made a good point there about really being society because, I mean, especially, I guess, when it comes to real estate investing that like we're talking about tonight, like society or most people that you run into have a very, you know, oh, you better be careful, stay away from that kind of attitude about real estate investing. So, that probably feeds into it as well,
1: yeah, oh, there's tons of tons of that, right? There's uh, so many things to be fearful about in real estate, I guess really yes, <laughs> no.
2: but, but again, going back to one of the reviews that you got on your podcast, though, I think it was really, really insightful that you know knowledge really reduces a lot of risk and can uh, to help, help people overcome some of that fear factor. You know, I mean, you don't. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I've, I, one of my kids is, is just learning how to drive. God help me. And uh, <laughs> you know, you think about it, you drive. Rob, you drove a, a truck for ClientLed, and, and you you didn't even think about going right or left. And you know, you, you were careful, but you know, you watch a new driver just try to get confidence, and they're overcorrecting, and they're taking this corner too wide, and taking out a sidewalk here and there. And and I think it's the same thing in real estate. It, it's. it's uh, it's it's one step at a time and, and learning to have that knowledge. I take your knocks. Yeah, yeah you know absolutely. I, I think that's that's really a big thing. I, I really do think that in the heart of every human being there's a there's a champion at something, but it's it's a matter of about, you know getting to that point where you can feel confident, just taking baby steps to uh, to get out of the comfort zone. One of the things that um, I have two teen boys right now, um, and. The elder one now is uh, what what we did with him when he was 14. I took him out on, um, was it 13? No, 13, 14. uh, I can't remember if it's 13 or 14 now, but it might have been 13, actually. Uh, There's a a certain limit, an age limit, when you can do the CN Tower Edge Walk. Mm -hmm. And we actually actually took him out of school, and he wanted to do it. He he said he was was ready to do it. And uh, so we went and did the CN Tower Edge Walk. Uh, It's either 13 or 14, I can't recall now. Uh, and it talk about breaking through fear. I'll tell you, I was a lot more fearful than he was, but you know, it just, that kind of set a really interesting benchmark in in his head that he can do things. And I think, um, real estate or, or running for uh, a race or whatever people want to set as a goal is, is really, um, that's what it's all about. It's just getting out of that comfort zone a little bit every year.
0: So now I guess we did talk about fear, but what do you think, or maybe you could talk about your own personal experiences, but what were some of the biggest obstacles that you encountered, I guess, in your, um, in your real estate investing journey and, and how did you overcome them?
2: Well, okay, let me, let me just be, be frank for a moment. Um, I'm the product of a sort of a single mom family. Right. And so it's not I, I don't want people to think that, uh, you know, I wasn't handed anything. I, I had to work my butt off as a, as a kid and, and go through school and university and the school of hard knocks. So that's sort of my my background. You know, we we were not spoon fed, <laughs> so to speak. And so with that as a context, uh, I always sort of wanted to learn to grow. Um, and when I look at our lives today, Uh, really thankful and and feeling very blessed I mean my wife is my my partner she's amazing she loves real estate as well Uh, coming from the uh, the legal side of the world actually she's in the legal field but um, it's interesting two years ago I took my kids to a house that we lived in when my mother first uh, divorced as a single mom and I showed them and we lived in the upper upper duplex of a house where we had one bedroom and that was it and I had myself my brother and my mom in one bedroom and um, you know today we've got you know uh, we're pretty blessed to have a pretty nice lifestyle a nice house and living in, in the midtown toronto in an area called lee and i think that that journey although i look back and i think it's very exciting and fun and all this stuff i think it's more important that everyone understand that they can go wherever they want to go it doesn't matter where you've started from it's more about what does it take to to look at your future and say you know what here's where i want to take my future you know, do you know what I mean, and and that's sort of what what I'm sort of passionate about in life is when you can help people to uh, to understand that they have a lot more potential than they think they do. So for us right now, here we are looking at three and four million dollar buildings, and it's it's not uh, we we've expanded our comfort zone to that point, and um, I, I think it's I think that's something that anybody can do. I don't think it's hard.
0: So step out of the comfort zone, I guess, is the answer then.
2: Yeah, I I think that's that's probably the the biggest challenge. It's it's let's face it, most people go up to the edge of the comfort zone, look out and they run back inside and say I'm not going over there. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it must have taken you some comfort to to leave from uh driving a truck to doing what you're doing now.
0: Uh, listen, I would have done a waste. Of, I had to get permission from my wife to make any kind of uh moves, so. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Don't we all?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how many people uh that, that just would like to do something different or better or whatever they, you know, something that they're not doing now. And yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard. But, but you know, one of the things that I think is really important is most people don't have clear goals. That's right. Do, do you know what I mean? Like there's, have you ever, there's a book called future perfect. And it says, if you went to sleep today and you woke up in three years, what would your life look like? Where'd you be? What would you be doing? What would you be with, uh, would you be working? Would you be doing something else? And, and that's the starting point. Where do you where do you envision your life going? And it's it's amazing to me that most people get up and drag themselves to job or whatever they're doing every Monday, but they don't really have a sense of what they want to do or where they can go uh, in their future. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of
1: living by default, right?
2: Yeah, and you know, it's, it, I I don't know if, if I'm if I'm the odd one here, but I I find that to be pretty remarkable. Actually, I mean, you wouldn't get on a plane without knowing where it's going to be landing, would you? I mean, maybe you would, (laughs) but most people, you know, they get up every day and they're, yeah, they're dragging themselves out of bed and they're not sure where they're going or why or or what have you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you ask people why they go to work and they say, well, that's just because that is what you do.
2: That's exactly it. it. And that's, that's that's exactly it. I I mentioned, uh, Brian Tracy. I'll tell you one of the things that I've learned from him and and people like Anthony Robbins as well, it's just, you start with a desire and you set some clearly written goals, and then the next step is just learning to align your actions. Um, most people never get to number one or two. But if you do, if you, if, you, know, if you do get to understanding what your desire is, where you wanna be in the future, and you set down the goals, and then it's a matter of looking at what are you doing with your time every day? And what's taking you towards your goals and what's taking you away from your goals? Um, I don't know what you folks, you folks are online, but I look at all the social media, for example, and there's so many distractions. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it's just remarkable, just advertising, and uh, you ever go down that stream of consciousness path where you just start clicking on this, you're researching something, you click on something else, and you click on something else, you're leading, and you you're totally forgot what you were supposed to be doing in the first place.
0: I think I've lost weeks that way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and that's the challenge, right? That's the challenge. You know, I think if you want to run a race like Andre de Grasse, or, or what have you, it's about staying very focused and disciplined. And um, and that's where you know I'm really uh, big on with uh, with sharing with friends and and family.
0: So then, why don't you? Can you share with us what is your why? You know,
2: uh, for for me, it's. uh, Let me back up. Uh, I'm losing track of the years, but truthfully, but this is going back several years ago. Now, I had a a scare with um, prostate cancer which what they thought was prostate cancer. And uh, it, it it kind of, you know, have you ever heard that song, um, Live Like You Were Dying?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and you kind of look at the words of that song. I came off a stage of speaking to 400 people in White Oaks Inn in in uh, Niagara and Lake Down I'll never forget that. And the next day I'm in my doctor's office and the whole thing comes out and it's bigger than the prostate. And, That was really a long journey to get to the point where I was going to be safe and healthy. And that was just a very big turning point. You start to say, what's really important to you? And I think when you understand what's really important to you, if you had six months to live, what would you spend your time doing? And you say, you know, you want to spend more time with your family uh, or maybe you want to rock your credit cards, that Home Depot card to the 30,000 point that Sandy was talking about. (laughs) But you start you start asking yourself the tough questions about what is it I really, really want to do? What is it I really value the most? And for me, it's about having an abundant life where you can, not necessarily just money, but it's almost like the parable of the talents. Like, how can you invest your time in helping other people, growing your kids? I think being a father is my most important role, quite frankly. And then um, if if I leave kids here that are productive, uh, contributing to society, that's a very big responsibility for me. So. I want my why was spending more time with my family, making sure I have uh, time for health. My, my wife and I go to the gym together probably five days a week, actually. Uh, people know us, they see us in there together. My uh, kids are, are big and working out now as well. I have, my baby is 15 and he's six foot three and an amazing basketball player. I, mean, I had to drive him to the gym at 7 a.m. this morning. So, you know, the culture of our family is very much about um, family and fitness and our faith and, and really giving back and doing things for other people. And uh, that, that's really something that, that drives us, quite frankly. We're looking at right now, um, one of the reasons we wanted to, to get more into Barry is we're looking at uh, funding some charities. I never had a daughter nor did my wife. And and uh, we're looking at funding some charities that, that help um, young girls that are in, uh, involved in the um, trafficking and, human trafficking too. Uh-huh. So we, we see real estate even as, as helping us do that, you know, where we can dedicate regular cash flow to charities that are helping girls that are in Europe, um, that are, they're really having some tough times. So, you know, that that's, that's a very big why in the sense that it goes the gamut, doesn't it? It goes uh, from having more time to do the things you really want to do. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, a nice lifestyle, as I say, we're not tied to the nine-to-five corporate stuff anymore. But having said that, when we have to work, we work. And uh, we, we work really passionately about what we do as opposed to, uh oh, I've got to drive myself do something.
0: That is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. My, my, my okay. pleasure. Okay. See, everybody needs to sit down, like you said, write out your goals and then really come up with that why. Why is it that you're going to achieve those goals? Right? Because that is the end result, really, is the why your goals are going to get you there. So take some time. Like Chuck said, even just sit down and do that quick exercise. And if you woke up in three years, where would you be? What would you be doing? That kind of thing. That'll help you out a lot, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. It's not about the money. It's it's um, many people, they, they what's the saying? You, you, you climb the ladder of success and when you get there, you realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about having that sort of balance to to deploy your, you know, your natural strengths and and, uh, abilities in a way that I think uh, fulfills you by helping other people in some way, shape or form. You know, uh, Sandy, you probably even like the fact that when someone walks into one of your flips, and goes, wow, this is amazing.
1: (laughs) I do. Actually, I love that. You know, it's, it's awesome.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's at the end of the day when people, you know, one of the things I love about what I do is um, in our in our corporate world, we do psychometric assessments, okay, which is a big word for for um, understanding what we do online profiles, believe it or not, like you could do a profile and it will give me a 35 page printout about what motivates you and how best to work within that field in, in, as a leader or manager working with you as a team member. But also how to best communicate with you, right? And I love the fact that um, people just are motivated in so many different ways and it's not the money. Uh, Studies over and over again will tell you that uh, money to retain someone on a job is is not the most important thing. It's very temporary. So I think it's it's finding all this stuff. When you get through the the short-term grind of having to pay the bills, it's what do you really want to accomplish before you're six feet under? You know,
0: so now you, you've talked a lot about your family. Do you integrate them into the real estate investing? I know you do with your wife, but what about your kids?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's funny, Rob. I, sometimes I wonder if they, they like it because it's sometimes it's natural osmosis and sometimes it's forced. But um, the older guy, you know, Don Campbell.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know him, but I know
2: of him, of course. Well, yeah, so we were at a workshop, and uh, my I brought I brought out my eldest guy at the time. He was, four, uh, yeah, he was fourteen then. That's right, he was fourteen, and uh, tall for his age. But he, I think, uh, Daryl Sittler was speaking, and a bunch of other speakers, and, and Don Campbell. And Don Campbell was nice enough to take a, a picture with him, and uh, it was very interesting because I don't think anybody realized he was only fourteen years of age. I dressed him up in a suit, and you know the whole bit. And uh, so, you know, they see exactly the lifestyle that uh, we have, which is, you know what, we've always been around for them. And um, we went on all the school trips, you know, you're, you've got young kids, uh, Rob, I don't know about you, Sandy, but you've got young kids and, you know, you have all the school trips and they've grown up with that, right? So I think they're realizing now that, hey, they, there's something to this real estate investing and they come out, they help on projects once in a while, um, sometimes I have to twist their arm. Uh, you know even little things you know like i had one guy i put him to work we're very uh, hands-on we're stripping um ceramic tiles off a bathroom a couple weeks ago and uh i had my oldest guy down there doing that for a day and and um they, they when we went up to barry to look at this townhouse yesterday my younger guy actually came up up there you know which was surprising actually because i thought he would have had some friends to hang out with but he actually wanted to see what property we were looking at. And he actually, they actually like it. They like when we're exploring new properties. So I think what we're doing is trying to educate them about not just uh, working and stuff, but but also investing, right? How do do they invest? Um, We're also doing some stock market investing with them as well now, and they're only 15 and 16, by the way. So I think as a parent, that's probably one of the greatest gifts you could give to your kids was that confidence to, to learn and, and explore things and not just be in the norm. So they've really exposed themselves to the real estate field, and uh, it's exciting. My The older one has been told by his friends over and over again, or been asked, how the heck do you know so much about real estate? And uh, you know, he's, he's pretty good, pretty uh, pretty smart. He's got all the real estate apps that I don't have, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, that's great, and uh, and um, you know my kids are are, are younger still they're just starting school but the one thing that i do do is i'll if i'm going to show apartments i'll take them well usually only one of them because i can only handle one of them uh, at a <laughs> time doing something like that but when i bring um my older one he will show the potential tenants around the
2: house and i'll be like okay this is the kitchen very and, cool you know, yeah. How Did you do that really
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. i love that yeah. I remember when uh, when my kids were younger and we had a fourplex and they'd go down to the place. They would just walk in like it was their own house. You know what I, mean? I had to hold them back you when know, they've got tenants living in there and they just walk right in because they were so used to being there when it was vacant and we were renovating And It's fun to watch them grow up with it. Your kids are really blessed by that.
1: Uh, what's your future focus with uh, regards to real estate,
2: Chuck? Good question. A couple of things. We're really liking the multifamily from every aspect, right? So I think we're probably going to look at uh, we're being approached now, I mean, by um, joint venture partners, possible joint venture partners. We haven't done any up until now. And the reason for that is we've been really working on the systems that we've been inculcated in the in the, uh, multi-family space. And I've always said to people that in the corporate world, we worked on what they call corporate culture. And, you know, when you're talking about leadership and changing corporate culture to produce different results in an organization, and corporate culture... If it's enhanced, right, will make a more profitable organization, and we found the same thing is true in the multifamily space, where we can go in and look at the culture uh, of a building, and we can determine is that the right profile building, where it, it's sufficiently such a crappy culture that we can change it, enhance it, and as a result, make it more profitable, and also help it uh, help people who really want a nicer place to live in. You know, we we have some really fun things actually, like. Uh, even quotations, monthly quotations, up in the laundry room in the multifamily. Would you believe it? If if it gets to the second of the month uh, and we don't have new quotes of of the month up, um, then we get publicly- <laughs> <laughs> some of the tenants. Hey, where are those quotes? Right. So I think we're going to continue in the in the multifamily space, and we're going to look for unique cash flow projects uh, with partners now, and uh, we're also looking at uh, a retail concept. Um, that will bring us into commercial mixed use so we'll, we're looking at uh, some laundromats and um, rolling those out with our own commercial mixed commercial and residential properties so that's something we're working very actively on and kind of excited about actually so we would have a separate spin-off business as well uh, with that retail concept that we would be uh, licensing but yet hold the real estate with our partners
0: yeah it sounds exciting good what kind of quotes did you put up that's really interesting i up your mess, you know, messy,
2: bum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is. You know, it, we, we like to have fun, right? But they're, they're really motivating quotes. I mean, more, mainly motivational quotes.
1: Yeah.
2: By, you know, just taking offline sort of thing. And uh, we have an on-site person that we, we literally, we, we'll do three or four months in a row and keep them in a file now so so tenants don't email us and complain. But just different motivational quotes. And uh, we're, we're a little bit different that way, like transforming the culture of the building. We, we actually have... Uh, in some of the hallways, we've got, you know, things like mirrors, and, and we've got some quotations in the hallways, believe it or not. Like, when I say quotations, you know the big um, wrap, um, things you can buy at, like, home, not home, um, home sense? You know those big, huge, like, uh, three-foot-by-three-foot signs, and they'll say something, do something special today, or yeah, whatever? Yeah. Yeah, we we'll do yeah. have those things, you know? And, and uh, the, the the market that we serve on that particular building is more of a millennial market. Uh, right in the Danforth and on the you know the Dan Danforth, Danforth subway. So we know what, what works for them. It's uh, it's certainly not seniors and that sort of thing. So they, they like all that stuff. they really appreciate it. It's uh you'd be surprised the <laughs> little things like that make a big difference in, in transforming just how people look at their, their living space.
1: Yeah, I think so for sure. I've never even something that small you know, that can make a big difference, I think. That's a cool idea. I might start using that.
2: It does, and, and I think that's what we're into, is we've gotten some great systems in place. And by the way, when we advertise for for tenants, we don't use phone numbers. So we've gotten some great systems that allow us to, to do this. So that's what we're excited about now. We've, we've ironed out our systems, and now we're just going to kind of go a little bit bigger with some some partners.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so if you don't use phone numbers, what do you use?
2: Pigeons. Pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's completely on online we've got a, okay. a basic web page that we're gonna be revamping now a nice place to see but we're, we're totally online so so my management development business had a really strong online component and so we've just transformed that into the uh, the real estate piece I mean I look at it as a business it's not about you know we we even have um, our some of our trades have our, our custom golf shirts with our name on it XL properties and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and uh, we really look at it as a business so um, yeah, all these things that you can do when when, when, when people apply and they send us their information. Uh, we really want to know who they are and, and have some conversation. And then we will ask for their phone number. We'll call them back when it's convenient for our, our, um, whoever's calling them. And you know, We've just got systems down that really allow us to, to do some really good screening, quite frankly. I think it's nothing that the corporate market isn't doing. Right. You know, when, when, when TELUS or somebody else is hiring people, you know, it's, it's really really making sure that you get the right people on the bus, as we said, in the corporate space. And it's the same thing in the buildings.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about your company, Excel Group Development, what they do?
2: So a big part of our business was teaching managers how to coach, right? So we've got a coaching methodology, and then another bigger component was, uh, I mentioned those psychometrics. So we all have different personalities, and when you get teams of 20 or 30 people together, some of the personalities can conflict, right? So. A lot of our business, even within the US Marines, for example, when they're working with civilians and their partners and, and suppliers, you've got different cultures that are coming together. So they would bring us together and we would work with them on how do, how do people work more effectively as team members, knowing that there's different personality styles on the team. And so that's a big part of our business. Uh, we're still doing a lot of that. Funny enough too, you know, here we are, I went from corporate stuff to the real estate stuff on the side and back in February, I was invited by uh, Phil, Phil Soper, the president of um, Royal LePage Canada, a division of um, Brookfield. And I had the pleasure and opportunity to work with the top uh, 70 folks from the management group at the head office here in Toronto with um, doing a, a half-day, very interactive team session for helping team members communicate more effectively with each other. So that's the kind of thing that Excel Group does a lot of, and it's certainly been a good foundation for understanding tenants and people. and cultures of of buildings so it's just really blessed to be able to do both
0: (laughs) well you know what i I think that's very important especially in well even the type of business that i was in before you could tell that there was a real lack of understanding and communication there that that probably could have been helped out very greatly by you if the management was willing to actually take any of those ideas and run with them which i I don't know if that was going to happen but uh yeah, no, that sounds really important. And I think that more places should open up and listen to ideas like that because a lot of them do suffer from management just not being able to communicate with whoever is working, quote-unquote, beneath them.
2: And, and isn't it silly, though? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, companies don't achieve results. People do. Right? So, I mean, that's the bottom line. And it's the same thing in the real estate business, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the old thing is, uh, the old definition is, what is a business? What is the purpose of a business? A business is not for making money. Making money is a byproduct of getting and keeping customers, right? Uh-huh. So it, it really is about satisfying and fulfilling your customers, and you're you're going to make money as a byproduct of that, right? So, and I think internally in the corporate field, your employees are like your customers, and in the real estate space, it's your it's your tenants, right? Uh-huh. And even your trades, let's face it, you need your trades as partners. Yeah,
0: yeah, you do. And that used to be, actually, I remember Ian Savo when he was on talking about how there was a certain point when he started out doing uh, renovation jobs where he would be like, come on, buddy, and, you know, you can do it for less than that. <laughs> to the point where he started to realize, hey, you know, these guys are going to treat me well if I treat them well. And if I help let them get paid, then, you know, they're going to feel better about what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. You
2: yeah, mean, what we're really big on that we like to give out we do a lot of stuff at thanksgiving more so than christmas i mean, you do some stuff at christmas too but i've always corporately done a lot of work at thanksgiving where we give thanksgiving gifts and, and express thanksgiving for in the corporate world for our clients for example the baskets or whatever and but we do the same thing with our tenants at thanksgiving because i think it's a time of year where it's a little bit more special there are less um it's, it's less conventional for people to give gifts and do things at thanksgiving so we like to take that opportunity with our trades or with our tenants to to kind of give them a even, even if it's a, a Starbucks card, you know, and say, hey, thanks for all your help. Uh, we had some plumbing nightmares this year. Really, really appreciate your help this year. And send them a card. You know, that stuff goes a long way. I mean, that's that's really the business you're in. And every business is a people business.
0: So, Chuck, you have anything else you're working on right now?
2: Uh, no. There
0: <laughs> that I want to tell you. Isn't that enough, he says. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think, I think it's really more about just, uh, for me, you know, it, it's really about growing what we're already doing well. And I think it's um, trying to, you, know, you climb one mountain and you see how much further you can go when you get up there, sort of thing. So right now we're very focused on the, on the, this, the areas I mentioned, which is the multifamily, and we're looking at some mixed commercial uh, residential spaces. Uh, one thing I think, <laughs> I didn't mention this, but one thing I think we learned that we're not going to do is we're not going to dilute our focus too easily. So we had a place in Brazil up until a year and a half ago, and thank goodness we sold it because it's not in a great situation in Brazil right now. Loved going down there, but my wife and I, uh, we had to really you know get a sense of, hey, where do we want to go and what do we want to do and how are we going to build our lifestyle? And one of the things was just to make it very simple and stay very focused on what we're good at, and I think we're really good at the, the multifamily space. Um, so we're going to stay focused on, on some of those bigger projects now. Not to say we won't be doing, you know, uh, maybe we'll knock on your door Sandy one day and say, hey, we'd like to do a flip, we'd like to pick your brain on a flip. Yeah. Uh, haven't done that yet, and I don't, don't know if we would, i <laughs> well, I like to stay very focused on, on what we're doing, and, and I think what we're doing is, um, is kind of interesting to me because we're, we're focusing on buildings with basically less than 35 units. And uh, we don't want, any, I mean, if you go anything bigger, you're looking at the REITs and um, we just want to stay very focused. The, the profile, by the way, of the building that we like, do you want to hear the profile of what we like to buy? Sure. Yeah. We like to buy buildings where the sign out front is written in magic marker and it says for rent or place for rent. And it's written in magic marker with a phone number. Uh-huh. Believe it or not. And then I'm further excited when we look at the rent roll, and 85% of the rent roll are males instead of females mm-hmm. those are the big clues for us or that these are buildings that we could pretty much turn around the culture and the reason I say that is usually you've got landlords that are really tired and burnt out from all the phone calls which as I mentioned we don't advertise with a phone phone um, phone number so you're not getting phone calls at two o'clock in the morning and drunken folks that are you know looking for a place to live. Um, And and then secondly, what we found is sometimes there's landlords that just haven't really gotten it. Like they don't, the the buildings are tired, the landlords are older, um, and they don't have security lighting outside. So females don't want to be there. They don't have on-site laundry. So what you get is a whole bunch of guys that just want a a little, you know, apartment that's kind of a place to throw their beer and empty beer cans and and pizza boxes. Right. And they're not really achieving the highest rents when they're in that zone. So that's kind of what we focus on, the buildings that are less than 35 units, and that have those, uh, you know, we're driving around a few of them right now, as a matter of fact, and I just laugh every time I see them, you know, this this handwritten for rent sign, one bedroom for rent sort of, you know, a bachelor, and you got the phone number of magic marker, and to to me, that's just not the way we run a business.
0: And of course, the key to all of that is actually to take what it is and get it for the right price, so that it allows you to turn it around.
2: Absolutely, yeah. and you know what? I, we just we were just working well on a deal. I don't think we're going to go through with this one for different reasons. But we were working on a deal with an owner that we met uh, five years ago. It takes time. Yeah. You, you've got to. You've got. I mean, for me, sometimes you find some through MLS or agents. That's great. But I can tell you right now that we're finding that if you wait for those to happen, that they're few and far between. So I'm, I'm very comfortable having coffees with. Uh, some uh, some folks that are owning properties that, that want to go up for coffee and chat. In fact, my believe it or not, my wife just uh, was out last week and uh, took down the number of a building that's near us in Toronto. Called the owner and struck up a conversation, and we're, we're we're getting together because he owns a few other buildings and he wants help with a couple of buildings, multifamily buildings. And we found out that his sister also owns a place on the same street as our multifamily mm-hmm. corner. So. You know, you, you get together with other people, and sometimes they're older. I mean, some of these guys are, you know, they've had it for a number of years. They're tired of the phone calls, and so it's not. If you have that confidence level and you know what you're doing, it's it's not um, it's not uh, out of the world to, to go and knock on the door and say, hey, let's have a coffee and. Uh, or call them up and have a coffee and get together or what have you.
0: So these are the kind of insightful ideas that uh, someone looking for joint ventures with you can take advantage of, right? So uh, why don't you tell us how people can get in contact with you?
2: Sure. Um, I guess my, my office number in Toronto is 416-481-4802. My email is r at com so it's chuck r at actually sorry you know what i, I should that's my corporate stuff sorry um uh, my real estate email is info at a nice dot ca
0: a nice place.ca. info yeah. at a nice place.ca. Yeah. and okay. of course you guys all know that if you didn't catch all that it will be in the show notes under yeah. chuck's episode so just go over there click on it and we'll have links to all of the things that he talked about today a book future perfect his website and his contact info. So thanks again, Chuck. I really appreciated you coming on. You shared a lot of stuff, and you're, you've are you got a lot of energy. So I appreciate you bringing that to the show tonight.
2: Listen, thank you, folks, That's very cool. much. Thank you to both of you. I just enjoyed, uh, enjoyed chatting with you. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give each of you a comp profile of the one I was mentioning as well.
0: Oh, yeah, that would be cool. You'll find that- I Since- was going to ask you how we can get one yeah. of those.
2: Take it to your spouses, and they'll have a laugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. so um i guess one more point that i want to make before we go is that what i, I encourage everyone i challenge everyone to take a bit of chuck's advice and make that one first move take one step out of your comfort zone write that goal down and then take one uncomfortable step towards it and uh pretty soon you'll be running so absolutely well said sandy how can people get in touch with you
1: they can call me uh, comfortable enough throwing so, uh, the number out there is 416-567-3866. And I've had a f- bunch of people reaching out lately, um, asking for advice and tips on different things. So uh, happy to help and really always love to talk with people that are enjoying the show.
0: Okay, good. And you can reach me at 289- Nine two seven zero four six four, or of course, Sandy and I both get the emails at info at breakthrough So thanks again, everyone, and have a great night.